Welcome into the Grace Point Daily Podcast. My name is Jeremiah Johnson. This is going to be a verse-by-verse edition with Rick Maynard, and uh, we might even just call it a Christmas edition. So welcome, Rick Maynard, to the Grace Point Daily Podcast. Christmas edition that will talk absolutely <laughs> nothing about right. Christmas, probably. Yeah. So. Well, you need to, I guess you need to do a, a Christmas special here. Yeah, maybe but, I need to change my thoughts here. So Anyway, Merry Christmas to you that are listening to the Grace Point Daily Podcast. Uh, I want to advertise we are going through a... 12 podcast of Christmas edition. And I was looking at my calendar and I got to get on the ball here. Uh, I'm going to upload at least once, if not twice a day leading into the Christmas season, because we want to bless you with some amazing podcasts this Christmas season. And Rick and I just got done with a raging debate in the word of God about some Christmas topics, specifically bells, which is coming up next. So Right, and I know everything, so <laughs> whatever I say is the way it is. Yeah, so if, if you sense some tension in this particular podcast, you know, that's that's I'm, the reason. I'm pretty upset with you because it <laughs> seems like you're not agreeing with me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we are in First Kings, Rick, and take it away. Okay. First Kings 8, 42 and 43, we skipped a week last week. We were just the busyness of Christmas time and work and all those things, so we'll try to get back in the... Yes, Back sir. in the flow of it here for my uh, my two fans out there. But um, 842.43, for men will hear of your great name and your mighty hand and your outstretched arm when he comes and prays towards the temple. Then hear from heaven your dwelling place and do whatever the foreigner asks of you so that all the people of the earth may know your name and fear you as do your own people, Israel, and may know that this house I have built bears your name. So we're still talking about Solomon uh, and his prayer of dedication for the temple. Um, and he, he's talking about in this verse, you know, sometimes we're tempted as church people, pastors, whoever, we we kind of have a favoritism towards our own people. You know, we, we say, you know, I believe in all other uh, denominations and everybody has opinions. We try to be kind about things, but then sometimes we uh, seem to treat like we're better than another denomination, or even that we're better than sinners. And mm-hmm. I'm not better than a sinner. I'm just saved. Right. Is, <laughs> but but we one of the hardest things for us to understand sometimes is he loves that sinner as much as he loves me. Yep. We think surely he must like me better than the mass murderer out there. Um, and so, but he's talking about here, he's talking about a blessing on, uh, the foreigners, not necessarily foreigner here doesn't always mean somebody from another country, but just someone who is not of Israel, uh, the Gentiles, if you would. But, um, and he, he's saying about those people, grant them more mercy. And it should be the way we pray because we, we tend to think that everybody should act like me. Everybody, I'm very spiritual, so everybody should be spiritual. And we use those guidelines for everything. We look at politics. You know, right now we're in an impeachment issue. Today. Yeah. As we, I mean, today's <laughs> the day. Debating if, going on right now yeah, as we speak. Yeah. So, uh, you know, but we act like those people in Congress and and whoever it may be should have the same guidelines that we have spiritually and morally and and I'm not uh, passing judgment to say they're not Christian people, but um, but they don't have the same standards. But we seem right. to act like they should have the same standards. And I've used this <laughs> illustration. I mean, he's he's praying for those people who are outside of the people of Israel, for those that are not 
you know, you you meet with other pastors. You're praying for their congregations. Yep. You know, you're not just praying. I mean, they're foreigners in a sense because they're not part of this congregation, but we pray for them. You know, we ask God to bless their church, not yeah. cause them to get mad and come to our church. That's not what we're after. And I even had a great time this last week. I went to the big Catholic gathering uh-huh. in our community, and I got to be a participate in the service. And Wonderful time of worshiping Jesus with them. Mm-hmm. And the funny part went, was we had a dinner following, and I sat down with the father afterwards, and mm-hmm. I said, okay, I got, I, now that we've got a good rapport going on mm-hmm. here, i got to ask you, I was baptized as a baby in the Catholic Church. I did catechism. Uh, am, am I still in? And he's <laughs> like, well, by nature of you being a pastor, ordained pastor with another uh-huh. organization, uh, no. I was <laughs> like, oh, okay. You're a foreigner. So I'm I'm technically out of the Catholic Church <laughs> right. this week. But I still love Jesus and, and he was cool with that. So yeah, you can you thought you thought you could hang on to both. But, uh, yep. Yep. but I, I it's anyway. always good to have options, right? Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> gotta have that second one for you know, I am a deacon, so right. you, know, you gotta keep that option open. That's a good thing to keep that option open. I'm just he, telling you. He did you. say we could probably get you back in though. Right. Know, so. <laughs> well anyway. Uh, talking about the foreigners, the unsaved people, and I've used this illustration and uh, about people come to church, and we all go down to the altar, and some guy gets saved, and man, we're you know we're overjoyed, we're shaking his hand, and you know welcome to the fellowship, and we're really you know gung ho to have this new convert, and he walks out of the church, and he goes out on the parking lot, and he lights up a cigarette. And what, I mean, honestly, what is our tendency? Well, I thought he got yeah. saved, you know. And I said, wouldn't it be, um, it, well, actually it'd be embarrassing, but wouldn't it be amazing if the Christians walked out of the church, those that are pointing the finger at the guy, you know, because there's smoke going up over yeah. his head, uh, if the Christians walked out and they had that little uh, thing like you see in the cartoons, I don't know what you call that, but the yeah. little the little bubble, <laughs> the bubble up, yeah. yeah, the little bubble came up and, Man, pastor's sermon was terrible today. You know, I mean, right. if we had all those little things, but boy, because we can see the smoke, mm-hmm. we know that guy just boy, he's just he yeah. didn't get saved after all. You which know? which is a great point because I literally had a guy in our church last week who is newly converted mm-hmm. say, "Hey, can you uh, today's the day I'm going to stop smoking? Can you mm-hmm. just pray with me?" Yeah, like yeah, yeah. that's great. Yep. So. Well, I think uh, uh, Rick Warren had a comment in one of his books that said. Uh, Stop expecting Christians to act like Christians until, or stop expecting people to act like Christians until they are. Yeah. You know, that's the, so that's, anyway, he's talking about all the foreigners here, and he's talking about blessing the foreigners, um, granting mercy to the foreigners, and and asking God to answer the foreigners' prayers when they pray, answer their prayers. You know, sometimes we we just think about our own prayers, and we don't yeah. look to say, Lord, answer their prayer. Um so anyway, and it says, it talks about praying towards the temple. We talked a little bit about this on the last one, and we're not going to rehash it, but talking about the um, praying towards the temple or the the power of blessing and the sign of blessing and those kind of things. But they actually had um, a court of the Gentiles, which was outside of the temple area. So there was a there was a designed place Gentiles could not go into the temple. That was a, a given. But there was a design place for the Gentiles outside the temple. It was a 35-acre area that surrounded the temple that they could uh, come and pray 
towards the temple. It was a very important, and, and we're going to talk about it in just a second, but that area would have been the area where uh, Jesus turned over the money tables in the New Testament okay. and where he said, my house shall be called a house of prayer and you've made it a den of thieves. It would have been in that area of the, of the Gentiles because even the Gentiles were supposed to uh, respect things. Just because you weren't an Israelite didn't mean you didn't need to respect. It would you know, it'd be the same thing as, as someone coming into the church that's unsaved and you know they want to do disrespectful things in the church, and we would be like, you know, I know you're not saved yet, but we <laughs> right. don't allow that here. Yeah, you know, we you're not you can't do that in this um, in this building. So, and even it wasn't just outsiders; the Jews themselves, if they were impure, uh, they weren't supposed to come in either. So, you know, God had guidelines. He didn't say just because you're a Jew that lets you do whatever you want to. Uh, just because you're a member of the church, you know, doesn't give you a right to just do whatever you want to in the church. You know, we take ownership sometimes of the church. Um, uh, uh, amen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, this was, uh, you know, we were just talking before we started about uh, making something out of nothing. Yeah. But the seriousness of this, seriousness of this, they actually found a stone with an engraving on it. It says that, and this was at the temple area, it says no foreigner may enter within the balustrade around the sanctuary and the enclosure. Whoever is caught on himself shall he put blame for the death which will ensue. So it wasn't saying, hey, if you enter here, we're going to kill you. It wasn't quite that. But it was saying it was so serious that you better be concerned about your life if you come in here. Mm. You know that, in other words, God might strike you dead. <laughs> in other words, is what they were saying. So, uh, so it was actually written in stone how the seriousness of coming into that place. Wow. Um, the in Ezekiel it talks about the court of Jews, the court of women. So there was a a different area. I've probably mentioned it here when I went to Israel and went to the Wailing Wall. Uh, they still separate the men and women. They don't all you don't all get to go into the same area. It's it's still the it's not like the area for the men is better, it's all the same, but it's divided by a barricade, and the women go on one side and the men go on the other side. Mm. So, uh, so even that is uh, the sacredness, the court of Gentiles, the court of women, uh, those kind of things are, go way back. Acts twenty one is the account of Paul being arrested for bringing a Gentile into the courts. I mean they they got on his case. I mean, it was still in New right. Testament time. It yeah. was still serious <laughs> to to violate that. So, not saying they killed the guy, but you know, it was he got in big trouble for that. But the good news for all of that, Ephesians two nineteen, it says, "Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizen with God's people and members of God's household." We we got grafted in. We don't have to. Uh, we don't have to stay in that outer court, if you would. Uh, we're not, as Gentiles, we're not kept from coming before God's presence. We don't have to, and again, not, not being critical, but, uh, but the Catholics, there's a order of, you know, you don't go directly to God. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you have to go through someone. And, and back then, it would have been almost the same thing, that you weren't allowed in that holy place. Somebody else had to offer those sacrifices for you. Right. And, uh, I always think it's amazing too, just to think about New Testament life or 
to think about. There were many years where people didn't have access to the Bible. You know, you think about right. that even post-resurrection, post-Jesus, that mm-hmm. for a long time that was like, hey, you can't have access to the Bible. Right. Like, that's for... Right. And we forget they didn't have a Bible. I mean, <laughs> yeah, they didn't. They didn't have a Bible. Everybody and, didn't have five of them sitting in the house. Right. You know, all the they didn't have the different versions. <laughs> you know, the Gospel according to the Greeks, the Gospel yeah. according to the you know, so the Hittites and the Jebusites and all the different ones. But but anyway, uh, thank goodness we're we're grafted in. Thank goodness we don't have to go Amen. through someone that we have direct access. So uh, eight forty four and forty five when your people. Go to war against their enemies wherever you send them, and when they pray to the Lord toward the city you have chosen and the temple I have built for your name, then hear from heaven their prayer and their plea and uphold their cause. So he's praying for all these different people, the foreigners, the aliens, and now he, he's talking about you know when soldiers go out, and I just I took this, it's pray wherever you are. You know, if just because I can't come to the church doesn't mean I can't pray. Yes. Just because I can't come to church doesn't mean there's not... 20 different evangelists that I could listen to on the television or, you know, you can still be spiritually fed. And all he's saying is, you know, sometimes I can't come to church. I mean, I may be sick. I may have to work. These guys, he's talking about soldiers who are, who are on the battlefield. and, And he says to uphold their cause. In other words, don't penalize them because of the fact that they can't come to the temple Mm -hmm. that day. In other words, they would have intentions if I've always said, and I, this is not a pat on the back. I think that's why God gave me bad shoulders because I can't reach. <laughs> I can't reach back there to pat yep. myself on the back. So, would you mind doing it for me, Stella? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> somebody, please pat me on the back. But, um, but anyway, he's talking about upholding that uh, that cause of the guy who can't come because he had good intentions. Forty six, forty seven. Well, and I was going to interject real quick, yep. just as a pastor. The the good is that of today is that we can meet with God anywhere. We can pray. Mm-hmm. The bad is that some people take that to the extreme where they no longer right. value the house of the Lord. Right. So it's a, it's a two edged or twofold kind of thing mm-hmm. where, uh, you know, we talked, I talked about this other day, talking about praying for everything and anything, mm-hmm. praying everywhere that we, right. we have made that mistake of that. Sometimes we connect devotional time or prayer time to the church or somehow that's, a better or more anointed place to meet right. with the Lord. And that's just not true. Right. But then the downside being some people, <laughs> they mm-hmm. became so liberal. Uh, they've, they've gotten so much into grace, I guess, that like, hey, right. I don't even need church anymore. Right. So we or need both. The same thing with uh, someone who needs to be saved. We don't want to tell them the story. We want to invite them to church. You know, yep. come to church and see if my pastor can get you saved is, <laughs> is really what we're thinking. We're too afraid to do it ourselves. But um but anyway, you know, basically you're saying it's it's not your fault that you can't come to church. Yeah. So this was definitely not a it's okay to not go to church. He's saying, you know, we understand their circumstances. So Lord answer their prayers too. That that guy that's yeah. on the battlefield, that uh invalid that can't come to church, that sick person that can't be here today, answer their prayers wherever they are. Um 46, 47, when they sin against you, for there is no one who does not sin. I love that. Um, <laughs> it kind of gives me an out there. You know, yeah. well, I'm, I'm like everybody else. We all sin, so. And you become angry. Now, we don't like that part. You become angry with them and give them over to the enemy who takes them captive to his own land far away or near. And if they have a change of heart in the land where they are held captive and repent 
and plead with you in the land of their conquerors and say, we have sinned, we have done wrong, we have acted wickedly. And this will go on to the next verse, but I want to stop there just for a minute. But, um, you know, number one, we all sin. For all of sin, that's the yep. New Testament version. But in the Old Testament, you know, it's talking about uh, when you sin and when you repent and all those things. But So it's not if you sin, but when you sin. And that's the that's the out for being perfect. People think that the Christians are perfect. And the old bumper sticker, I don't know if they, you can still buy bumper stickers, you know, but it used to be kind of the thing, you know, to put stickers on your car yep. for whatever you and one of them was Christians aren't perfect, just forgiven, you know. And yeah. uh, and that's that's a good point. What happened to the Christian bumper sticker movement? I know that's a no. whole another podcast in and of itself. Well, the cars are so cheap <laughs> when you pull the bumper right. sticker off, the bumper would come off with it. Now, so. I I would never do that to my Tesla that I'm going to own one day. Right, right. Well, it wouldn't come off it. of there, but it might come <laughs> off my Ford. So, um, uh, but it, in other words, we don't take everything lightly. You can't take it lightly just by saying, well, everybody sins. Yeah. So what's the big deal? You know, you can't expect me to try to live perfectly because it just says right there, everybody sins, you know. So, and I, I, I wrote this down. I don't know where this quote came from, but uh, it says, if we had absolute self-control, our sins would be inexcusable. And you have to think about that. So if we had absolute self-control, our sins would be inexcusable. We wouldn't have, if if we could control everything, if I could not sin, <laughs> if there wasn't things that happened in my life that just popped up and I, I and it, you know, little things are a sin too. You know, the word that we say that, you know, oh man, I smashed my finger today and I won't tell you the word, but <laughs> you can, ouch, that's the word. That's what I usually say. I bless you, Lord. That's what I say when I smash my finger, but... You, you couldn't talk any worse than your pastor. He gets in trouble all the time for yeah, his I know. phraseology. I know. Yeah, see, so <laughs> so I can use this too. Well, you know, my pastor sins, so <laughs> if my pastor can sin, it must be okay. So, um, and it, you know, and God doesn't forget that we've sinned. We don't have to remind God. Uh, it's more of a reminding ourselves. You know, Lord, I've sinned. I need. Yeah. I need to confess. That's that's part of it. We can say, well, God knows what I did wrong. Why, you know, why should I? But there's something about confession yep. that's, and you know, whether you're a Catholic going into the booth <laughs> to connect or confess to the priest or whatever it may be, but, and, and then the fact people think God's so kind and so loving and, you know, that he doesn't get mad, but God does get mad. Yes. I mean, God gets yeah. angry. He gets angry with his people. He's far angrier with his people who know better than he is with the sinner out there who's never heard. Yeah. I mean, those, I think, those <laughs> people have way more grace and mercy. I thank right. God for grace and mercy, but they have much more grace and mercy than, you know, than we do because they don't know, you know. So uh, to whom much is given, much is required. Sometimes I think people don't want to know. Yeah. If they know, then <laughs> there's going to be a bigger requirement on on them for things. But And it, it's talking about, you know, pleading, begging for forgiveness or uh, whatever you want to say. But, um, you know, true repentance says, do we casually say just, sorry, Lord, you know, when we, oh, sorry about that, you know, so casually, or are we uh, so concerned about our sin in our life that we actually uh, plead for sin? Um, 
or for, plead for you know plead for sin, plead for forgiveness. I don't have to plead for sin; that comes pretty natural. But <laughs> um, and and those phrases: we have sinned, we have done wrong, we have acted wickedly, um, and and it's a reference to corporate sin. It's we have sinned, we have done wrong, we have acted wickedly, and we don't um, we don't use that much because. It's like, well, I didn't, you know, it's, it's kind of like Adam and Eve. You know, we all blame them as if we wouldn't have done the same thing. Right, right. And, <laughs> and I don't know if they would have done the same thing had they known the, the total consequences. Yeah. It was just right, about right. being obedient because God said something. They were just supposed to be obedient. But, you know, had and, I, and maybe it wouldn't have been any different. Maybe if God would have said, okay, now here's what's going to happen. For all eternity, <laughs> the rest of the world is going to suffer because of the. Yeah. If you eat, they might have said, eh, you know, they still fell for the devil's. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's not that bad. Did God really say, you know, that? And yeah. and so um, the corporate and and I've talked about this before, but I don't think we realize sometimes how important. And I don't, you know, again, it's not patting myself on the back. How important I am to the church. How important Kelly Stevens is to the church. How important each person is to the church. And and people forget about, you know, in Corinthians talking about the body and how important every little mm-hmm. thing is. And and when you think about it, I mean, I'm I haven't studied extensively, but I was a paramedic, so I do have anatomy and physiology kind of stuff. But you know, the body is really amazing. And the amazing thing is one little cell yeah. can change, it can kill someone. I mean, something so, a bee sting, <laughs> you know, that's probably the smallest thing I can think of. That little stinger for somebody who's allergic can kill them. And, and so you think about the importance of the body and the importance of each person yeah. in the church. And that's why, you know, it does hurt when people leave. Yeah. It, it, it hurts. And it hurts me. It hurts the body, and and I know people go for various reasons. I mean, the the most heartache is is the person who leaves the church, yeah, they, not leaves and goes somewhere yeah. else, but just yep. leaves the Lord. In other words, I mean, that's the saddest part, and the part that hurts the most is those people who were part of the body, mm-hmm. and now that's been they might have been a cell, they might have been a little finger, yep. you know, but it's still felt. Uh, this is a great, I just thought this right now, my dad who fell off a roof 20, 25 feet when 20 years ago, and, mm-hmm. and he is disabled. Uh, mm-hmm. But I remember when he was in the ICU talking to one of the nurses, just talking about how she had seen multiple falls or accidents mm-hmm. of people. And she said something very powerful. It's not how far you fall, but it's how you fall. Mm-hmm. And so what she was saying is we've had, hey, I've had people that fell off a ladder five feet mm-hmm. and they're completely paralyzed right and i've had people fall 40 feet Mm -hmm. and they're walking around like nothing happened today so it's not about (laughs) if we fall or you know we're Mm going to sin or how far we fall but how we fall Mm -hmm. and i was like wow that that's amazing right you know so sometimes the church like you know we're gonna be imperfect we're gonna fail but how we fail how we Mm -hmm. can be very detrimental you know well, the the sin of Achan. If you read the story of Achan in uh, in the Old Testament, 
that's exactly what happened was God said not to take anything when they conquered the city, and he took just some little trinkets or whatever, you know, and hit them in the tent, and the whole camp was suffering until they brought him out. And, I mean, it was serious consequences, but we won't get into that story, but it was a serious thing because one person in that camp had had been disobedient to God. Yeah. And Saul, what did Saul do that was so bad? When you go back to his beginnings, Mm -hmm. oh yeah, first David, Mm -hmm. he brought a bad offering. I mean, come on, Lord. Yeah, I know. So, yeah. I know. But (laughs) sometimes it's just basic disobedience is all it is. Right. And this, uh, verse 48 and 49 is going on. It says, and if they turn back to you with all their hearts. So I was talking about that person who sinned, uh, and it's talking about this group, because we just said we, and now it says, and if they, so he's talking about the, the group again, turn back to you with all their heart and soul, in the land of their enemies who took them captive and pray to you toward the land you gave their fathers, toward the city you have chosen and the temple I have built for your name. Then from heaven, your dwelling place, hear their prayer and their plea and uphold their cause. And I, I like this, the Targum, which is one of the, the commentaries on the, uh, on the Old Testament. It says, it rephrases that and says, when they return to thy worship. And I thought, that's really good because when we turn away, we turn away from the worship of God. We've we've turned to something else. It people say that they just quit the church, and and it's not that big of a deal. And and again, we're talking about those people who quit the church, who don't go to church anywhere, but they just quit, and they say that it's just not that that big of a deal. But it's talking about here, they've left their worship. Mm. I mean. You can say, "Oh, well, I listen to worship music at home." You know, <laughs> I I worship the Lord, and but I I don't care. There's nobody out there that can tell me church is not important. Yeah. Now I mean. you can say it's not important <laughs> to me. Yeah. But it, I believe that that it was. We can say, "Well, God didn't have churches in the, you know, the New Testament, but things were different then." Yes. You know, and, <laughs> and I, I can't. I mean, I look forward to church every week. It is my my week surrounds. Sunday. Yep. I'm counting down the days till <laughs> till Sunday gets here so that um and any kind of worship when or when you uh turn away from worship, you don't really turn away from worship. Yeah. You just begin to worship something else. Yep. I, I still a story I share to this day uh, when I was a pastor in Utah, I had a guy come into my office one day, had no idea who he was, had never met him before, but he sat down and in brokenness, he's like, "Well, my wife just passed away and I'm just really uh, you know, broken, broken hearted. Mm-hmm. And obviously you c- could connect with that, but, uh, I was like, wow. Okay. Well, where's your, you know, I started asking questions. Where's your home church? Mm-hmm. I was like, he's like, well, this is my home church. And I was oh. at, at that point, I'd been there right. a few years. I'm like, well, I've never seen you before. And well, how long has it been since you've been here? Mm-hmm. He's like, well, probably about 12 or 12 or 14 years. Yeah. <laughs> I was like 12, 12 or 14 years, you know, and he, he made like his last Sunday. I mean, right. he, he thought, no, there's no issue with that. I was like, well, what have you been doing? Like, where where have you been worshiping? Right. Basically. Right. Like, it's like, well, I've, you know, I listen to a radio station every once in a while. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't know the guy, so I didn't have to worry about really offending him that much. I was like, mm-hmm. well, that's that's not really good enough. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not I'm not saying being good enough is going to church every Sunday, but it sounds like you're completely disconnected from the body of Christ. Mm-hmm which is is very unhealthy because now you're in a place of brokenness and you're really confused as to what to do 
And it's all because you lost that importance of worship right? in the house of God, connection with the body of Christ. Uh, and that's a detrimental thing. Again, that it's really hard for people who are not, uh, that, that don't understand the value of that. And so mm-hmm. again, I, I think and hope and pray that there's just a, such a revival in the hearts of people for the value of the body of Christ. Right. I had someone, you know, my wife uh, died four years ago and someone said to me, she died on a Monday morning and, and the next Sunday I was in church and uh, somebody said to me, man, I'm, I'm just so impressed by, you know, <laughs> that, that, that soon after something like that happened that you were, you know, back in church and stuff. And I just thought, I mean, <laughs> I really didn't even take that as like, oh, wow, I'm glad I impressed you kind of right. thing. It was like, what else would yeah, I do? What, right, yeah. I mean, <laughs> what what else on the next Sunday morning would I do besides come to church, sit at home and cry and, you know, feel sorry for myself? or You know, and I'm not saying, I don't mean to say that as yeah. like being hard-hearted. I don't mean right. that. But church is just that important to me. It's like I'm going to continue. I mean, I went back to work. Why would I not go back to church? Why would someone need to be impressed that someone who loves the church would be there for something, even after a tragedy or, yeah. or whatever? Yep. So uh, so anyway, the, the importance of, of church. And I'll, I want to read just a, a few things here. There were guidelines. We don't have these things now, thank goodness. And and I don't know. Sometimes uh, traditional things and ritualistic things. We have we just have different rituals. That's all it amounts to now. Yep. People say, "Oh, we don't have rituals." Yes, we do. We yep. we come to church at a certain <laughs> yes, time we and do. we go home at a certain time. And the pastor has to be done at noon. You know. And now you know. Used to they said my crock. You know my uh, roast is burning in the oven. You know I got to mm-hmm. get home to the roast. Well, now nobody goes home for right. lunch hardly. <laughs> so it's a, my microwave. I see people is, sneaking out eleven fifty, eleven fifty five sometimes well, at our church. By golly, they got to beat the other people. <laughs> what do they say? Beat the Baptist to the restaurant. So sirloin stockade. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I'm not honestly. There are some ritual things I can think. If if we had something like that, it would keep me on focus a little bit. If I was like, okay, I've I got to do this today. This is the way to do this. This is the way to read the Bible. This is the way to pray or whatever. But so the guidelines for prayer, and we've talked about when you turn towards the temple, because they were supposed to, you were always supposed to pray towards the temple. And so the the guidelines were you always face the temple. If you can't face the temple, you face the land of Israel. If you're in the land of Israel, you face Jerusalem. If you're in Jerusalem, you face the place of the temple. If inside the temple you face the Holy of Holies, if you don't know which way you direct your heart there. So it was all about there was a significance to turning towards mm-hmm. the temple. Um, you know, and again, I, I don't, you know, I don't practice this. I don't at home. I don't try to, okay, which way is the church? You know, I should turn towards the church if I'm going to yep. pray. We don't have that same uh symbolic things and yep. and some of it would be overboard if we told people okay now when you come in <laughs> you know this is this is the way you have to do that but it was significant for them they prayed a certain way uh the temple and and the temple represented God's presence you know we think well why would you just pray towards a building 
It that was more than a building for these people. Mm-hmm. That represented where God lived. It was it was like I mean I know we call our church God's house. We call our church the sanctuary, you know, kind of thing. But it's still not in the same sense that they practiced that back then. So the it wasn't about uh, the building being so important. It was the building that housed God's presence that was so important. That's what the respect was for, was for the presence of God, not about this big fancy building yeah. that everybody turned towards. And yeah. that's what people need to remember when Amen. you read through this stuff. It's not about presence. Yeah. It's not about the building. It's about the presence of the Lord. So. Amen. Well, Rick Maynard, I have no idea what that had to do with Christmas, but Merry Christmas. <laughs> it was a verse by verse edition with Rick Maynard. So get into the word. We've talked about that locally here in our local church, but I challenge you in regards to your spiritual life in 2020 that you would get into the word of God like a verse by verse, reading through the Bible in a year. Why don't you make a commitment and an investment into your spiritual life as you'd approach another year? Hey, stay tuned for those 12 podcasts of Christmas. They're going to be great. Thanks for listening to the Grace One Daily Podcast. We will talk to you guys next time.